0: Test one, two, test one, two. Stop.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve.
0: Nick Reynolds, Steve Harness, and Cousin Brewski. The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve.
1: Thank you for tuning in to The Vocal Minority Podcast. Thank you. Officially, thank you. We're glad you're along for the ride. Uh, you tuned in for another great episode. That's a promise and guarantee. The vocalminority.net our webpage, where you can find our socials, you little bastards. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: find us on uh, all the socials and uh, comment, share, etc. Every one of our pages has completely different activity. I'll never understand it, but... You no know, rhyme, same, no reason. Yeah, The same video on every platform will have completely different results and views and comments and all that, but there's a thread through all of them. Yes. Everyone seems pissed at Steve.
1: Is the <laughs> here's the thing, dude? I uh, think that maybe it's time we back off on the comments. Are you just going to keep rolling with them? One of our videos about uh, Kid Rock. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, received has, a lot now, of hatred,
2: yeah. And, and uh, we're
1: now at 6,000 views, which may not be a lot for someone in the audience, but that's the, I think that's our highest video, right? Well, we, technically, we got 10,000 on Facebook
2: for me talking about getting a vasectomy, which everyone seemed to universally like that for the most part. No, the 6,000, that's a big one, and that was yeah about the Kid Rock stuff. And we got a lot of hatred, and some people came at me pretty hard. I may have had to ban someone and report them to Facebook this past week here. So, oh! Yeah.
1: This yeah. is the main comment. That we're getting. In
2: case anybody doesn't know, God
3: calls it an abomination. It's an abomination. It's an abomination. Yes,
2: it is, dude. Yeah, they're referring to me with that statement right there. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Enjoy it while it's still Nick and Steve and Brewski, and not just Nick and Brewski.
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Which leads me to say, be careful, Steve.
2: Well, it's a tough thing, because Nick had said, maybe we should dial back on the commenting, but it's tough. Like, I don't want to be bullied into submission or anything. Exactly. I also don't want to get anyone in harm's way. Someone may think, you know, that Steve is Nick and punch him in the face. But the thing is, is
1: that this is a virtual room where a guy runs in and makes a heinous comment, and then you're defending it. They've already left. Like, you're not being bullied into anything. Well, I know, but the, the
2: notion that I shouldn't keep commenting or don't push back on some of these people, like, that's where I feel like I'm being stepped on. and Sure. And I, get, I get, get both sides of it. I don't want to be censored, obviously, but I don't want to create an unnecessarily hostile situation. But as I've always said, I push back not on that person. I don't think I'm changing their mind. I want people reading it. To see that people are defending the good side or whatever it is, you know,
1: maybe my new way of living life, because I've started a new way of living life uh, starting just maybe two days ago. <laughs> but it's going well so far. <laughs> Listen, uh, I am going to tell you that yeah. anytime I go into something, whether it be my work day, whether it be a conversation with one of you, I will ask myself, what do I hope to get out of this? and set my intention, right? Uh, I did it this weekend with an event that I went to and it, it worked out great for me. I've done it a few times with going into conversations of like, what do I hope to get out of this? So ask yourself, when you comment back, what do you hope to get out of it? A laugh for myself. Well, that's my nose, is that right. worth your safety? I, mean, I love you know. sharing
2: them with you guys. Like, hey, look at this. <laughs> well, <It> good.
3: <laughs> well, feel free to bring me in all that, too. Like, if I comment like I have, right? Yeah. Comment back and say, you know, hey, I like that, Brewski. Let people know who I Because let them comment me, too. Because yeah. I have no fear. I never fear for my personal safety. If they want to bring it on, bring it on, you know?
2: Nice. Well, Nick, what's your point, though? Am I supposed to, if somebody says, uh, you're protecting pedophiles, I'm supposed to be like, that's fantastic good on you
1: no what is your point I'm I'm almost wondering is it worth it to say anything to that person no but to everyone else
2: reading is yes and as we've talked about more the more we interact and comment the more views we get and the more loyalty we'll get from the people that agree with us. And that's Fair what we're enough. To build I'm right
1: all now. for it for the yeah. views and and you know, people joining us. But that was my question of why. And what you said makes sense. I mean I I guess I was viewing that you were just saying it back to the person who first you know said whatever they no. said.
2: I mean literally I am, but no, that's not the real point. All right. That's fucking into a wall, obviously. I get it. <laughs> My favorite one perhaps. I mean, I've had so many favorites, but someone this week was like, "You guys are part of the liberal media cabal. You're well-financed through Hollywood and the Jews and" My reply was, boy, do I wish that was true. Can you give me the contact number for the liberal cabal, please?
3: I remember that. I think they haven't gotten my check sent to the right place.
2: Right. Please, George Soros, fund us. (laughs) We can prove it's not a real thing because no one's funding us and we'd be prime for it.
1: Yeah, we're ready for it. We're in need. Yeah. Make some calls.
2: However, this does lead to the question of yes, what what if someone found uh, your old buddy Harness and I was no longer on this planet? And, well, let's know. not even joke about it. I I struggled for many many years. I don't like the topic of death. I personally have I've got a whole bunch of hangups with it. I just the finality of it and yeah, just I I, I don't deal well with death. So and I've I've said this to Nick before over the years. When somebody calls me or when somebody posts on Facebook, you know, grandma died, my my brother died. Like when somebody publicly or personally tells you I've just had a death in my my circle, I never know what to say. I feel like there is nothing you can say, but you, I think, have to try to say something. But, right, I have always struggled big time with the concept of
1: what do you say? A lot of people are in the same camp as you. I mean, uh, my wife, Rachel. Uh We always have the conversation if something happens like this and we're together and I say something to someone, she says, you always know what to say. Like, I, I never say, know you, what to say.
2: You seem much better at it than I am. You always have something good to say.
1: Uh, straight from the heart, dude. I mean, uh, this is what I want you to know. I mean, depending on who it is, obviously, if it's you that lost somebody, we're going to have a deeper conversation. But if I come by a stranger or, you know, an acquaintance, mm-hmm. I might just say, hey, uh, you know i I just wanted to let you know that i'm I'm thinking about you, and you know I'm a phone call away, you want to chat or whatever I'm just I'm with you and sure. that it has to be that's it really he, everyone you. knows you're sorry right well yeah,
2: but yeah. what is that person hoping to get from me commenting? I'm sorry for your loss, so now I feel better, like obviously you're not. It's, are you just placating someone? Do you just say something
1: to say it? It doesn't even matter. You just get points for trying. Like, that's how I feel. Uh, as someone who has been through grief, and I think we all have, but as someone who has lost somebody and been through grief, this is my experience. When someone says like, I'm so sorry. Like, I get it's coming from a good place, but that's about the most basic thing you could say to me anyway. Like, uh, obviously you're sorry. And now I feel like I have to comfort you. Right. You know, and did that that person
2: just lose points in your mind? We're like, duh, I know you're sorry. Like, (laughs) so now have I done harm by a punk comment? No,
1: I think everyone, you know, we know everyone knows that it is it's a tough situation to be in. Some people are better at it. Some people are really uncomfortable with it. But ask yourself. I mean, I suppose what would I want out of it? This is one that always gets me is that I read a long time ago that when somebody goes through something, instead of saying like, if you need anything, you let me know because now I've put another chore on your list of already long things to do and you're not going to do it. So either you say, Hey, I'd love to bring, you know, the family a few dinners or whatever, you know, uh, if I can, you know, make any runs for anything for you. I, I'm. I would love to do that and try and take something off their plate, but don't yeah, say no. I'm here for you. It's hollow.
2: Yeah. What about if it's a uh, a more distant friend, somebody from high school? Post grandma just died. Do you have a standard sort of nice thing to say that's not too deep? But, yeah, it's uh, it,
1: exactly, dude. For those people, I usually just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you, man. I, uh, you know, I just want to let you know that Rachel and I are thinking about you, and uh, always available for a chat." leave it there yeah brewski
2: thoughts on the topic well before i tell you if you're all right or wrong or not
3: (laughs) (laughs) i always just go with like nick says do something from the heart i try not to sound cliche but also i don't think about it i just kind of say what i'm feeling at that time and express my condolences nick's lost people i've lost people we've all we know about this from our old shows and it's you hear a lot of the same stuff from people over and over again. Sure. But I, th- I think sometimes even if someone says something that sounds like something everyone else has said, if you know that person, you know, they mean it. Like, there sure. are some it's, people it's that, all
1: coming from a good place. Right. I mean, no, no. Know. But I mean,
3: there's a, but there are some people, though, who may not have the right words, but no matter what, they feel good. And then and then the other people, you know, they're just saying it just to say it.
2: Right. Sure. Yeah. I usually say something stupid like, I don't know what to say, and then I go on to say ten things. Let
1: me write a paragraph now. (laughs) Yeah. You're not at a loss for words. Let me run a few things by (laughs) you. You tell me which one is best.
2: (laughs) Well, I think think, here's three choices.
1: You circle one.
3: But I think with something like that though, you're you're showing a vulnerability because you're searching for the right words. And because you can't kind of cut it and edit it and and put it in this nice little eloquent package, you're still expressing all the things that, that you want to say and sure. i think people i think people really appreciate that because even though you don't have the perfect thing to say they know that you feel something, and you're sharing everything with them, and, and I think they they appreciate that.
2: Right, I'd agree with that. Is it better to make some comment on Facebook? And again, this is somebody maybe not your closest, but someone you know that has shared this. Is it better to make some sort of platitude like we're talking about? Sorry for your loss. I'm thinking about you. Or is it better just to give it the heart emoji or just you know the
1: the I care you know like version. Like either do you, dude. To you do what you're comfortable with. I here's my rule of thumb. If I go down if I see someone on Facebook, if they're a good enough friend that I might have their phone number, I'll text them right. first of all and not put it on Facebook. But if they're just a Facebook friend, like someone from high school that I don't see, then I will usually just uh, say exactly what I say in person, like thinking about you, man. Right, right. Right.
3: Yeah, it depends on the relationship for
2: sure. For sure it does. I generally do the, like I just said, like the platitudes of, uh, I'm sorry for your loss, which I am, but I know that's generic or we're thinking about you or, or I will say things like, you know, reach out if you need help. But yeah. So I've got an article here that I stumbled across the other day and I, I haven't read this entire thing. I got kind of halfway through and I thought like, hmm, they're, they're putting some good information out there on this topic here of, uh, of what do you say when someone sure. dies? So uh, this is from the Huffington Post. It's Caroline The Headline is, what to comment if someone posts about a loss or death? First, uh, you should assess your relationship and motivation before commenting. Check your relationship and your motivation before commenting. How close am I to this person? What does this relationship call for? If you're close friends, Nick, a direct message or text is probably better, like you just said. If you're casual acquaintances or social media friends only, keep your response simple. If it's a celebrity or other public figure, a simple we love you is probably fine. But ask yourself, why are you commenting? Are you doing it for yourself or for them? Mm. And I think that's a good first question because I
1: think a lot of people do it for themselves. A hundred percent. I think we've all been guilty of on a post like that, where you see a bunch of people saying like, sorry for your loss, you know, heart, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, just, uh, how many times do you post something, wanting all the other people who have posted to see that you did? It, I did it too. Right, right. <laughs> you know what or I is mean. Is mine
2: more heartfelt? Do I get likes on mine?
1: Well, exactly.
2: I got a heart. You didn't get a heart. Yeah. It says uh, the reason for posting is important. You uh, don't need to respond to every memorial you come across. Consider your relationship with the individual and with the deceased. If you're close to the person, remember there are other ways to acknowledge that they uh, shared and connected with them uh, outside of social media. Uh, ask yourself, do I want others to see that I'm being supportive? Am I tempted to leave a long, thoughtful comment so that others can see how great I am? It's exactly what I'm saying, man. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly
1: what I'm saying.
2: The next thing here is try to avoid cliches. Avoid the standard cliches and platitudes, he says. Things like everything happens for a reason, or Uh, it's in a better place, or you're stronger than you think. They wouldn't want you to be sad. I've told people that. I've told my kids that. Jeez. Right. Um, (laughs) Or any any statement that starts with at least, well, hey, at least, you know. At least you still got your grandma. Right.
1: (laughs) Like, you know, yeah.
2: No one wants to be talked out of their pain, and that's what these statements are attempting to do. That's kind of profound right there, right?
1: It is. And, you know, I guess that also goes in, like we were talking about in the beginning, that some people just don't know what to say. Rachel and I have a joint friend who we were, very, at the time, very good friends with. I like stoner friends, too. Yeah, yeah, big old joint friend. Uh, (laughs) And when her mom died, she had a tumultuous relationship with her mother, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And close friends and people around her would know that. This friend knew that after her mom died, she said, the first thing she said to Rachel was she gave her a hug. And then she said, uh, I bet you're relieved. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. what she's probably getting out there. Sure. But she, she's never forgotten that. She also said something to the effect of, you know, like uh, it wasn't this, but it was something like this. Like you didn't like her. You guys didn't get along anyway. Oh, something like that. Whoa. You know? Obviously, Rachel's never forgotten that. And not because it pissed her off. It just broke her heart. She was like, you know, you don't get the this is an intricate thing here with people we don't get along with and they die. That's my mother. Like, she never forgot it. Yeah, Yeah. You're in a vulnerable position there, so comments like that could ring forever. So,
2: Mm -hmm. yeah, no pressure on how to comment, people. (laughs) Right? Uh, How about this one, though, on cliches? The statement, they're in a better place. This can be a tough one, the article says. This makes the assumption about how people perceive things in life after death and their loved ones or their loss. In other words, you know, do you think they're going to heaven, hell? Do people not believe in that kind of stuff? Like, what do you mean they're in a better place? Some people may take solace in that.
1: Others may be offended by that. Yeah, they're six feet in the ground. They're in a better place. Thanks a lot. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: This brings up a point Nick just got into. Uh, The next topic here is express genuine and sincere thoughts. Being genuine and sincere and even brief is okay. Just say something that is kind. Always think
1: to yourself before you write the comment, what would I want to see if this were me? and i've done that a lot with my dad like if i see a, a special well i guess men and women but you know there's something that gets me when i see a, a fellow friend that's a man lose her father um just because I suppose that I could relate so much with how they must be feeling uh yeah. that I always want to say something uh to the effect of, uh, you know, something, uh, you boy, your dad was really proud of you. Like, that's something that I wanted to hear about my dad when I was alive. So hearing it, you know, somebody saying, like, boy, I could tell your dad was really proud of you, like, just means the world to me. So I always say it to a person when they lose their father. Wow. Yeah. I just said that to you. Do I score points? Did you I do? do I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll and, always give you points. Harness.
2: Well, and honestly, that's how I approach that. Like, what would I want to hear, you know? Yeah. And I would sure. want to hear, yeah, that my dad was proud of me. So, you know, that's where it came from.
1: The other thing that I will say that I didn't before was to say, uh, I have found that instead of saying, like, uh, if you need something, give me a call, or if you need to check, give me a call of just saying to the person, like, I'm going to check in with you, and then following through on it. So, you know. Nice, nice. Um, This guy recommends saying something something
2: simple, like I'm thinking about you and your family during this difficult time, but you'll notice what they didn't do there is they didn't make it about the person that died because he's saying if you don't know the person who died very well, don't act like you did now. Right. So make your sympathies for the people you do know that I'm yeah. thinking about you and your family, not, boy, your grandpa was such a great guy. Sure. <laughs> I'm thinking wow. about you. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Don't make assumptions about how they feel. Uh, recommended uh, Gold, one of the psychologists they're talking to here, recommended showing support without making assumptions about how someone feels. I prefer something like, I can only imagine what you were going through instead of, it must be really hard for you. Mm. Yeah, I can only imagine. Sense. You're, you're, You're
1: not, you're you're not making assumptions sure i i think uh i do realize that but i also think that i'm bad at it i think that i miss the mark sometimes with that because i want to relate to someone's pain you know what i mean right yeah let them know oh you're not alone like yeah yeah i bet you're feeling terrible (laughs) like i was and that's not the case all the time Right, right.
2: And sometimes people are relieved when somebody who's had a terminal, a long illness has finally passed. But you don't want to say that to someone like, oh, you must be relieved. Your dad's dead. Like, right.
1: That's I terrible. mean, some part
2: of you may, but that's not what I'm looking for from a friend or on Facebook or anything, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting one. If somebody had a long, painful illness, avoid statements like, at least they are free from pain now. Now you can move on with your life. Or at least you had a chance to say goodbye. I've heard yeah. change the change to say goodbye. One that seems like a nice thing to say, but uh, this article is saying uh, this makes assumptions that their death eliminates a burden, or that saying goodbye and preparing for death was a somehow a consultation.
1: I don't. I don't think you're point. saying any different. I mean, you're not saying like you. Well, you got to say goodbye, so that was a lot better. You're right. just saying like focus on that fact that you did get to say goodbye. And I'll tell you what, I loved the fact that. I had the opportunity to say goodbye, right? you know, even though it was hard, yes, but I love the fact, you know, Beruski, not so much. Like, there's other people who don't, so there is something in that that, yeah, that is a good thing to focus on, I suppose. Well, you mentioned before on the show that you have a relative who
2: said, I don't want to say goodbye, I don't want to be there at the time of death. So if I generically yeah. say that to that guy on Facebook, well, at least you got to say goodbye to Grandpa, I may piss the guy off or make You're him feel right, guilty but- or bad that he wasn't or didn't want to say goodbye. You know. Yep. Uh, the next one is share a memory. Share a memory of the person if that seems appropriate. For example, your mom was always uh, great at the soccer games. I remember how happy she was to be there. If you have lots of memories or a longer story to share, consider sending that directly to the bereaved in a personal message, email, or whatever. Explain how the person uh, they lost impacted your life. Happy memories and ways someone supported you can be uplifting in times uh, of death like this.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. If you got a story, or you, and especially you know what, if you could tell me a story that I don't know, uh, you know, you and my dad in college or something like that, and you tell me a story like nothing is going to be more soothing, especially right after death, you know?
2: Yeah, no, that's fair. Again, I guess this goes back to what would you want to hear? You know, I guess I would want to hear that my, the person I cared about impacted other people's lives or that you had a good, you know, memory of them or experience with them.
1: You know what? One of the uh, greatest things that I can think about in, uh, uh, when I went through this with my dad anyway, is that people at his service, uh We had, like, a viewing afterwards, not of him, but just, like, we all got together to talk about him and stuff like that. Uh People that told stories about, especially, mind you, because, well, I have a little bit of an ego, of, oh, your dad used to tell me this about you all the time. <laughs> you know, like, uh your dad had such funny stories about you, or he told me about the time you and he went to do this. Like, I love those stories. Tell those stories, dude. That seems complicated, too, though, because uh, if somebody came up to
2: me and was like, boy, your dad always talked about how creative you were, and I'd be thinking,
1: he never said that to me. (laughs) Why? He is here, though. That's your opportunity. Like, you know what? If he didn't say it to you, my dad, I heard a ton of stuff that my dad did not say to me that I was like, oh, he did feel that way. That's fantastic. It gave me comfort. And Mm -hmm. like you said, maybe it won't to you. Maybe you'll be like, why didn't you ever say it, dude? Right. You're just giving me a new issue now to be upset about. (laughs) This
2: is the complication of all of these things. Keep Uh, it simple. I love you, Dad. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Tell me if you've ever seen this before, because I I certainly have in the social media world. Don't hijack the post with your own experience. It is not time for comparing grief. Avoid focusing on your grief about someone else's death. It's not about you. 150%. See it happen all the time, dude. Yeah. All the time. It's terrible. People will yeah. say, when my grandpa died, I blah, 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 or, you yep. know, I know how you're feeling. They say, don't say something like that. Don't assume you know how they're feeling. Yeah. But that's a, that feels like a nice thing to say, I lost my grandpa, too. I know how you're feeling. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Like, yeah, that sounds nice, but. She says, avoid uh, saying something like, I don't know what I would do if I lost my husband or my
1: friend.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it does
1: not come for the person. It makes them feel isolated in their experience. Yeah. And panicked. Well, maybe I think I got all my stuff together right now. Maybe I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, resist the urge to be a cheerleader.
2: Again, this sounds like you're doing a nice thing. But the, uh, the biggest thing to remember is that, when, uh, is that most people don't want to be cheered up. They want to be heard. It's a very normal human impulse to want to make people feel better and a tendency for people to give unsolicited advice. Just not telling people to look on the bright side puts you way
1: ahead of all the other people that are doing that. A lot of the times I think when people say things like look on the bright side or, you know, have perspective that they mean well. But it is the equivalent to uh, telling uh, your wife to calm down. You know, like it's it's doing the opposite of what you're, you're yeah. hoping for. Right. Uh, here's another one. Uh, she says, don't tell
2: people that it gets better every day. There's no timeline for grief. You're going to put pressure on
1: them. That what if in a week they don't feel seven days better now? You're right, dude. That's fun. That's interesting. Never put a lot of thought into it, but it's right. Everyone... Goes through it at different speeds. Yeah. I mean, a therapist will tell you the time does heal
2: wounds, but it's all relative to what the experience is, what kind of person you are, like all that. So, yeah, you're basically putting pressure on someone. It's going to get better every day. You're trying to be nice, but you've just painted them in a corner. Right. Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I feel... Like you said, like almost anything, if it's coming from a good place, should be good. But look at all of these things we've already outlined that the expert's saying, you're making it worse. Don't say that. You'd be better off not commenting. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of pressure right there.
1: (laughs) That's why, dude. Just keep it simple. Boy, I'm thinking about you. I'll reach out to you. I'm thinking about you.
2: Can your AI thing write a good condolence, sympathy thing?
1: Yeah, let's find out. I wonder
2: if it will use any cliches. How, How can you ask it that?
1: Oh, that's good. All right. Let me see. It's gonna be all uh, clichés. I'm gonna yeah. blow my head off from this <laughs> AI. Write a condolence letter for someone losing their father without using cliches. No pressure their robots. Hopefully you could do it. I may have made it too confusing for him or her. I <laughs> well, think this, this is, is a lady, dude. I don't know why you keep calling it a him.
0: I can't even begin to imagine what you must be going through right now. Losing a father is never easy and I know it must be particularly difficult to come to terms with this loss. Your father was a remarkable man who lived an extraordinary life. I have heard so many stories about his kindness, his humor, his strength, and his unwavering love for his family. He touched so many lives in so many positive ways, and his legacy will continue to inspire us all for many years to come. I hope that you find comfort in the fact that you are not alone in this difficult time. You have the support of your friends and family, and we are here for you in any way we can be. If you need someone to talk to or a shoulder to cry on, I'm here for you. Please know that my thoughts and prayers are with you during this difficult time. (laughs) Your father will be dearly missed, but his memory will continue to live on. With deepest sympathy, your name. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you had me all the way to the end there that yeah. that was pretty darn good there was at least one cliche in there though about reach out if you need something
0: oh yes. but what
3: about the what about the t's and p's that's in there too
1: yeah Thanks thoughts and prayers, prayers. yeah at yeah. the very end uh but in the beginning the ai said <laughs> i can't even begin <laughs> to imagine yeah. what you must be going through it took the advice dude right because you're a robot, damn it. That's why you can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, this article
2: saying that's actually pretty good. So, there you go. Uh, the next one, refrain from asking for personal details. Avoid asking for <laughs> details in the social media post. If they haven't shared personal information, it's probably a reason. And if you're close, you should probably already know the details. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Uh That's a solid one, dude, because obviously, like with my close people in my life, but just with the like, if I see a mutual high school friend died or something like that, I'm not going to lie. Like when I say, oh, so-and-so passed away, you know, more details <laughs> to follow. I'm like, how did they die? Are you don't leave me there. Right. But I wouldn't ask for it on the post. Of course. And they're saying, don't speculate about deaths. Like, gee, you could
2: it have been a car. I'm like, what kind of jerk would be doing that <laughs> in the comments? <laughs> If they're not offering it up, there's got to be a reason. Either they don't know or it's private or embarrassing or whatever it is. So
0: yeah.
2: if you know them that well, you should probably be in the loop prior to this little announcement, right? Yeah.
3: I'd like to share a little experience that we had when my dad passed. We had worked together at this company here in in, in town. And my dad had this assistant who worked with him in the receiving department, this guy named Pedro. My dad wasn't well, and work wouldn't let him come into work anymore. At one point, Pedro came by the house with his pastor and that sort of thing. Although I never knew the guy to be particularly religious. A couple of weeks after my dad passes, Pedro comes by the house and talks to my sister. And my sister says Pedro came by the house, and I said, "Yeah." He asked about Dad's will, and I was just like, "Okay." He said the dad told him that when he died, that he was going to leave Pedro money oh, out of his life insurance policy. Oh boy. And I was just like, well, that'd be news to me. That's not something dad mentioned to me. And I could see my dad saying, Pedro, you're the greatest. You know, and I'm going to leave you money when I die. You're in
1: my will. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That sort of thing. Right. But this guy actually followed up several times to say, hey, did Jay leave me money in, in his and his wow. fo- yeah dude like, that he, like, is him...
1: so disgusting and sick like if that if your dad would have left him money he would have been contacted right. by be notified somebody, eventually you know don't worry. yeah like yeah. that is so creepy i'm sorry that happened dude that's awful
3: can you imagine it came by the house even to, to follow up like hey uh what have happened with uh jay's life insurance policy did he? Why know don't you we... bend
1: over and i'll show you
3: <laughs> yeah, i know <laughs> Did oh my that?
2: gosh,
1: dude! I oh. cannot. That's the first time I've ever heard that happening with a death.
3: I worked with a guy, and he we worked in the same building. He was in the other end of the building with my dad, and then he then he started saying, "Well, uh, Jay said that he had all this money saved in a you know a savings account." and and that sort of thing and you know he said he's going to leave me some money yeah uh, if you haven't got anything on his life insurance yet could you give me some money out of that and i'm oh just my like god dude. i'm glad why? i wasn't home because i would have thrown him out on his head
2: why don't you just come over to his house and pick a vase or something
1: like i mean <laughs> yeah i mean it's very insensitive that is creepy weird yeah. Yeah, yeah i wish you were there take a hike pedro take don't come back
3: yeah not surprisingly, after that 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 last time, and when he didn't hear from us, we never heard from him ever again. So.
1: You should put a penny in an envelope, dude, and be like, this is, <laughs> you know, the lawyer sent this. I don't know what's in there, but here it is, Pedro. It's <laughs> what he left for you. Funny and terrible. Oh. All right.
2: So now we get to the part of the list, one of the cliches we've been uh, batting around here. Uh, be specific in offers of help. Don't say, I'm here if you need anything. mm not because they don't need things, but because you're putting it on them to figure out, well, what do I need and who who's going to do it? And then reaching out and ask you a day, a week from now, hey, I do need this. They don't yeah. have the energy or capacity or interest to do any of that effort that you've now put on them. Uh, so if you're close say. friends or not close, but you want to help, do what Nick was saying. Nick wins again here. Make tangible, concrete offers of support. I'm going to come and walk your dog on Friday. I'm going to bring you some groceries on Saturday. We're cooking you dinner on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, The last thing on the list here is um, when a close friend or relative experiences a loss, your social media comment is far less important than all of the other things you could do for showing up for them. Focus on real-life actions you can take, whether it's attending the funeral, sending flowers, visiting their house, or helping out with logistics. Show up in real life after your social media comment. Don't just leave it there. Mm. Again, this assumes there's a level of closeness. This is not the high school friend that lost a grandma. Sure. But,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, How do you feel about that one? Uh, Only because I know that uh, funerals not only just murder your soul, but they make you feel very uncomfortable. So how do you feel about it? Uh, About what? About going to a funeral? I obviously know that if I asked you to go to my dad's funeral, like, you would have been there. But, I mean, for just people that you know like are you going to automatically say oh it'd be nice if i followed up and went to the funeral
2: that's a tough one i don't feel you know you and i got invited to a funeral in seattle when one of our friends dad died i think it was and i showed up because he asked me to be there but i didn't like that he asked me to be there for him like i wasn't going to reject his uh you know request to be there but I've skipped a lot of funerals for people I know because I don't want that to be my last memory of them, and I have different ways of getting closure or saying goodbye. So, it's a little weird. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on one of you guys. If, like, sure, no I Saturday. Am. I know you'll probably be there, but I'm not going to expect you to or ask you to be there because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe if it was a shocking death if one of my. If somebody very close to me died all of a sudden, unexpectedly, sure. I might tell you, like, I need your help. Like, I can't get through this. So, yeah. But, yeah. um, that's, it's a lot to ask for somebody, you know, to come to my dad's funeral or whatever it is.
1: See, and that's something to keep in mind because you and I are so different that way. Like, obviously, I don't like to go to the funerals, but they don't bother me like they do you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, that's something to keep in mind, uh, yeah. to say, like, oh, I shouldn't. You're more than welcome to come if you would like to. Maybe that's how you tell people, you know? Right.
2: I'll tell you. I don't know what this means, if this is a sick and twisted side of me or what. But, yeah, I'm not a fan of funerals. I've been to a few. But at my grandma's funeral and at my aunt's funeral, I spoke. Like, I got up in front of the crowd and told a story. Sure. And I I don't think enjoyed is the right word, but it, it meant something to me to get up there and to to tell everyone to share a story and be relatable. A hundred percent, dude. I think that's
1: I think that's the greatest way that people can pay tribute to those who have passed on Mm. is to be able. And I realize that a lot of people, you know, cannot get up and speak. Whether they're going to feel like they're going to be crying all the way through it, or if they're just so nervous to talk in front of people, I get it. But if you have the ability to do so, I think it's the greatest tribute and way to send somebody out is to have a room of energy. Of people that love this one person who left, and to have conversation and, and laughter about that is, I think it's the greatest thing you could possibly do. Mm, it's interesting.
2: Part of me feels selfish, like I'm i am good at public speaking, so it could, this makes me feel more comfortable, so I'm going to get up here and tell a story. No, I think you should feel grateful that you were the, uh, you had the ability to do it, so you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do we all feel better or worse about comments we've made in the past, or do we feel more equipped about how to uh, make comments in the future? We've all made mistakes.
0: (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've made mistakes, but yeah, I try and be mindful of it for sure. And maybe this article taught me a few things.
2: So if one of you experiences a loss and I'm like, hey, it could have been worse and uh <laughs> you know, I'm gonna call me if you need me and uh hey, does he uh is Ryan that well? Like will you see the humor in what I'm doing? <laughs>
1: it depends, dude. It depends if it's a great uncle or if it's you know a parent. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: it is a complicated topic, and that article gives me anxiety in some ways because there's so many things they pointed out that you should not be saying that people naturally want to say. So, now, I think that's almost
1: the better list. Like, just don't do any of these things, and whatever else
2: you say is going to be a bonus.
1: The one I found most interesting on there that I have never done before, if I see – someone acquaintance at the smallest acquaintance. If I see that they've lost somebody, I always say something. I didn't ever know that it was okay to just move on and that it may ring hollow that I even do say like thinking about you, you know, right. yeah. so I will do that from now on, yep. you know, no skin off my back.
2: All right. Let's, uh, let's completely switch gears here for the next topic. Uh, we talk a lot on this show about cancel culture and snowflakes and all that things. And, uh, we had talked uh, an episode or two back uh, about things that were commonplace 60 years ago, closer to when Bruski was born. Than that <laughs> well, I say that for context, because you got to think. When you were born, some of these things were commonly held misconceptions, like putting an ice pick through somebody's eyeball was a good way to lobotomize somebody or, or yeah. cure them of some ailment. These are uh, 19 things from the 80s that would get you canceled today. Let's see if we agree or disagree. Nick Reynolds, you might not like this first one here. Uh, Smoking indoors. Back in the 80s, it was common to see people smoking cigarettes inside, even at restaurants and bars. Mm -hmm. Today, most countries have uh, strict regulations
1: prohibiting smoking in public places.
3: I miss it, to be honest with you.
1: Well, let's just talk about that, Brewski, because uh, while I understand it, for the first four or five years that it happened, it really bummed me out, and when I went to a red state and was still able to smoke inside, I thought, this is awesome, not only because I don't have to go outside to smoke, which I hated for the longest time. Now, I think of it as you know kind of an opportunity to go out and be with like-minded people, uh, but... It's an atmosphere, is it not, Brewski? Smoky bar, hanging out, yeah. the jukebox playing, like the—it's the whole atmosphere of, yeah, we are Americans. we us smoking this bar, we're we gonna drink, and we're gonna listen to music. Like it's a whole vibe, right? And it, it—it absolutely
3: is. It is dark, smoky dive bar. Drinking yeah. stiff drinks, I yeah. was yeah.
1: at a jazz for- club or whatever you know, like a nice yeah. smoky jazz bar, some like Chet Baker
3: going on. Yeah, I'm all
1: in for it. Heck on yeah. one level, I feel bad
2: for you smokers. You guys get taxed and you have to go smoke outside, like it's a legal product. Yeah. But then again, it's completely obnoxious that you can smoke next to me in a restaurant. And
1: I get it but we do it in the uh you'd be surprised i mean well this may be not the same for people who don't smoke but you'd be surprised how casinos the equipment they have in them now to suck the smoke out of the casino is fantastic even i as a smoker can be in too smoky of a room uh, yeah. smoking an airport the airport room which still exists on some airports where you can in
3: you las have vegas a cigarette. they yeah, have in one in yeah.
1: that's right you go inside and you're just like Disgusting. holy mackerel
3: dude And it's what's great about it is that it's all glass. And So when you're you're walking by, you can look in the fishbowl and all you see is smoke and you see people in there. And it's actually really awesome.
1: It does. I mean, it's like a guy walking out of the door is like a guy walking off, uh, uh, you know, out of a war scene (laughs) with all the smoke falling him out. I'll tell you, there's some casinos around here that do
2: have the modern filtration systems, and some of them, I don't know, don't seem to work very well at all. It depends the volume of people smoking, right? Sure. Some of these casinos clearly are the smokers' casino. Um But even the ones that do it well, when I go into them with my kids to go to a restaurant or see a show, everyone, as soon as you walk in, the kids will come like, oof, you can smell those cigarettes. and
1: Sure. Well, yeah, Steve, I mean, you're not you, going to get rid of it. Totally. Right. Well, I, like,
2: too, I, I hate coming home from a, a night out the bar. where I'm having a great time, but I get home and I'm just like, like my clothes reek of cigarettes. It is disgusting.
3: Well, I will say this and I don't say this to um, to give them a plug. But if you make the trip to Las Vegas and you go to the Park MGM Casino on the strip, it is completely non-smoking. Uh that's a fact, right? Yeah,
1: I, I when I took Rachel for our anniversary, you guys remember, I took her to a casino. They, they stopped smoking, having smoking allowed in the in the casino. It's the worst idea possible for me that I do not want to go spend hundreds of dollars at a casino drinking and not be able to smoke. It's the worst. I, I won't go there. I will never go there again. See, this is to me another free market sort of thing. Vegas is a big enough town where they
2: can have casinos that are non-smoking, and if they get the clientele in there, then hallelujah for them, and I can choose that place, and I don't come home reeking of cigarettes, like, well and good. Yeah. But um, if you are in a very small community, like where you and Rachel went to, if there's only one casino in that town, and they're non-smoking, then it does seem to kind of suck for you. I can see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I get both sides to it, dude. I don't need to, I don't need to smoke in my hotel room or anything like that. I'm not against why wa- I, I understand it smells and that for people who don't do it, it's probably gross, but. Uh, don't ban me from bar. We're in a bar, dude. We're in a casino. There's some comedian that had a great bit about,
2: you know, going to the bar and he would take out chemicals and just start burning sulfur next to the guy. <laughs> and be like, what? <laughs> what? I, I I I do this while I drink. I just really do
1: <laughs> <So>, me. <laughs> That's real funny, dude.
3: So I, I'm not a cigarette smoker, but I am an occasional cigar smoker. And I will tell you this, if you think you've been banished. As a cigarette smoker, yeah. right? You try smoking even in a casino in Las Vegas, a smoking a cigar. I've
2: seen I, that I, and I don't get why you're extra discriminated against. I know cigars stink a but it all yeah, but it all okay. stinks.
3: So so here's the thing. I was in uh, the Paris casino. I went to go walk up to place a bet at the at the sports book, and they were like, You can't bring that over here. I'm like, what? Your cigar. Okay, I go to set it down. He's like, no, it can't even be in the sports book at all.
1: It has been know, said at the Paris Casino that it is easier to smoke pole than it is a cigar <laughs> on the casino floor. <laughs> I know that's
2: Paris Hilton's model, so. <laughs> just right. don't try it, dude. We're animals, brisky. And,
3: and be kind. Just, Just, just swallow.
2: Right. Of course, uh moving on things from the eighties that would get you canceled today in the eighties, it was more socially acceptable for adults to discipline other people's children if they were misbehaving. <laughs> That's a fact, dude Good, Good luck doing that today. I guess I do remember m- my other friend's parents disciplining us, but that seemed normal uh, it- physically. Oh, God, no. I mean, my parents would have gone and broken someone's arm. But um, to, to just, you know, to be yelling at us or admonishing us or, or even punishing us, like, you know, no TV for the rest of the sleepover or whatever it is. Like, yeah, I mean, that seemed commonplace. And I recently had to bring this topic up. Uh, I got to meet Dottie's kids for the first time. And I had this conundrum of like, where's the line? Like, should I be telling these kids to do something or not do something? And, you know, how do you figure that out? And, and do I asked you them,
1: have the conversation?
2: Yeah, she said you should treat them like you would treat, you know, your friends' kids that are over at the
1: house. Like whatever <laughs> level
2: of discipline you would do to them, do to my kids. What do you like? That was a good answer. <laughs> I don't get. Oh, it.
1: I think that's vague as hell, dude. I yeah, mean, exactly. Uh, really? how, how do I treat my friends' kids, dude? You just want me to not discipline your kids well have you I should had
2: experience had- with that already if you've had kids for 10 or 15 years of life how do you handle when their friends are over and yeah, how do you do it yeah i guess so yeah how do I- you do it i i stop a, sh- a not shy of how i would talk to my kids but i have no qualms of being like no no no, put that down like no that's no that's mine or take that outside you three like no get out of here that's the same level you'll give to Dottie's kids right now yeah, yeah. I mean, that was her advice, and I've yeah. only it once, but I can already feel a, a, an ease with that sort of thing of, like, oh, good. as long as I'm not, because I would never scream at my kids either, but it, it's okay to sort of be a, a, a responsible adult and say, like, don't run with scissors,
1: kid. Sure. Uh, but you shouldn't be putting them over your knee and spanking them. No. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. Uh, I would have been spanked my by a friend's dad when I was in, in the 80s. A uh, friend's dad spanked me. And, and how did your parents handle that? How I went yeah, home fixed. and told him, and my dad was on his doorstep in, you know, three minutes. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's gray shades of gray in there. I think it's okay to be assertive and firm. You don't want to let them run all, you know, run wild over you. But yeah, you shouldn't be punishing them. I'm taking your phone away, kid. Like, that's not your place. Light spanking is okay. <laughs> okay. uh, with the mom, a- maybe, but not t- yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. you
1: know what this is my rule of thumb and i probably don't have a leg to stand on because i don't have kids and i don't have a girlfriend with kids but i would say uh i would just say uh listen to your mother <laughs> you know that's, that's how i'm gonna discipline you uh, guys listen to your mother please uh, oh, I- see. you're the good cop huh <laughs> right, be the cop. right. That's, that's not getting you anywhere uh, well i wish you well with do- that dude it's a hard situation to be in
2: as we talk through this, I think the probably smart way to do it is, you know, if the kids are fighting, you get in there and break them up, but then you got to call for backup from the other yes. guy yeah. and yeah. be like, "Hey mom, like the kids were just fighting and punching. I told them to stop, but I don't know how you want to handle it from here." Sure. That's yeah. that's a
3: smart
1: thing right there. Yeah. It seems smart.
2: Yeah, I'm good at
3: this stuff.
1: All right. Moving
2: on down. Things that were happening in the 80s that would get you canceled today. Uh back in the day, sporting a deep tan was considered attractive and fashionable. Today, oh, yeah. we know the dangers that come with prolonged sun exposure and the risk of skin cancer and that uh, excessive tanning is a major no-no. I-, I think it's also unattractive. There was an era where that golden skin, but
3: a woman who's all tan, like it's not- Oh, you don't live where I live, then. That's, I mean, I'll tell you. <laughs>
2: yeah, you're close. Isn't everyone pasty white there?
3: Just go to Revere, which is right in one town Nova for me. There's tons of Italian folks there, and the beach is there. And I'm I'm serious. You go to the grocery store where I shop during the summer, and so many of those women are like really dark, and they've got like little shorts on, even older ladies, you know, and um, their strappy shoes, and uh, they still tan like you wouldn't believe.
1: Yeah, you know, my guess- sister still stands. Spray tan, tanning booth, what is she doing? Both, but when she's not doing one, she's doing the other. Wow. And I told her, I was like, uh, if you want to spray tan, I get it. She says, oh, I just, and she's not, you know, ridiculously gold, but she's like, I just feel better about myself when I have a little color to my complexion, which I understand. A little at the color, same yes. Yeah, a little color. At the same time, when she would go, uh, you know, go on vacation or whatever, uh, she go to, you know, two weeks before she starts going to the tanning bed.
3: Oh, we yeah. Got to get a base tan.
1: Yeah. Got to like. get a base tan. Uh, I said, Rachel and I, if we're going somewhere tropical and I'm going to be in a bathing suit, I've gone and gotten a, a spray tan to give me a little color because I'm part of the pale force. You know what I mean? Yeah. But don't go into tanning bed. Are you insane? just a well, hot dog at 7-Eleven, right? The, the electric the beach. <laughs> yes, dude. That is not a good idea to be in a tanning bed in 2023. A fake bake. Hot dogs here. Hot dogs! <laughs> yeah, that is basically like a big hot dog. Right? I think that the deep tan
2: went out with fake boobs. Like, I don't think it's an attractive look at all. What do you guys think?
1: I'm not up for a fake deep tan. If I see a natural tan like, oh, uh, you look sun-kissed or something, I think it always looks nice.
3: You see some ladies that look like uh, those um faded of the bomber jackets.
1: Yeah. Right.
3: <laughs> And that's really bad. Like the lady, the Magdalene and there's something about Mary with the, <laughs> right? the blonde yeah, yeah. hair and that really dark tan looks, and those yeah. pink lips and everything. Yeah.
2: I think it's kinda of, to me like makeup. Like I shouldn't really be able to tell you're wearing makeup. If it's just <laughs> a little light effect to even out your complexion, okay, cool. But if it's like you look like Bozo the Clown, like that's way too much. So
3: yeah.
2: what what you're saying, a little base tan, a little crispy gold in it, okay, sure. But if you look brown <laughs> and you're a white dude or whatever, like
3: where do we stand then on people like me, who turn into like a lobster?
1: You just get was so red. You don't get tan. Oh, that's oh, no, my, my I don't tan. I get freckles and I burn. So
3: oh no, my 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 back turns purple.
2: Oh, uh, I, I wear the thickest sunscreen there is. I mean, I, I have no choice. I'll just burn. And I know. Yeah, I'm, I, I've been sunburned so many times in my life, but. Uh, <sighs> you know oral sex is a good cure for sunburn for people <laughs> who and I. seems to work it seems to work i mean all right there darn it you. i forgot my sunscreen again oh well let's at least keep little steve safe <laughs> let's <barely hit> <laughs> all right speaking of that back in the 80s casual sexism was commonplace with offensive jokes and comments often being unchecked nowadays society is obviously more conscious of all of these things but yeah, the good old days were casual sexism.
3: <laughs> this is meaning stuff like you throw like a girl or yes. you marry or you know stuff like that.
2: Right. Back in the '80s, no one was recycling and no one seemed to care. I don't think recycling was a thing in the '80s. I mean, it wasn't in my. Whoa!
3: Day. Actually, recycling does go back to the '70s. Yeah, but how
2: commonplace it, though? That's what.
3: Yeah, well, there were, there were PSAs about recycling going back that far, but not like we are doing today.
2: I mean, right now it's in every neighborhood. So you're kind of a jerk if you're not recycling. But back in the '80s, I don't—the you know, garbage company wasn't picking up recycling or anything. So
1: you should all get into the conspiracy of uh, what we are actually doing with our recycling, because uh, about four percent of what you recycle at home ends up recycled. The rest of it, they just empty out in the trash. Do you know that?
2: Is that a fact? Is that a conspiracy theory? Where uh, where are you pulling that from?
1: Uh, that's a fact. Uh, I've seen, I mean, I just certified it. So I've heard <laughs> multiple people say that the majority of people who are stuffing their recycling bin are putting so much of the wrong stuff in it that they don't even sort it. They have multiple news cameras going back to these, uh, places and seeing them just take those recycling cans that you fill up all week and throwing them in the trash.
2: What is that? your fault for not sorting them well
1: enough or you're saying it's their fault they're not even checking they're just throwing it all in the trash both i suppose i mean it's probably started as our fault that people were not doing it properly i can't put all those arrows with a number two but i can put a number four and people weren't checking it so your your bin was just full of stuff that couldn't be recycled so they just started throwing it away I was at a restaurant here in Tahoe a week or two ago, and I don't know how I noticed this,
2: but you know how there's like trash bins and they'll have one hole for recycling and one hole for garbage. Yes. I looked inside the can. There's no dividing wall. It was all going to the same bag.
1: Seen the same thing at Starbucks, dude. (laughs) I mean, that, and that is the truth. Uh, You know, recycling makes you feel better. We're not doing a whole bunch for our environment.
2: Uh, that just depressed me a little. I really had not thought about it. I thought what I just saw last week was an anomaly. So, well,
3: I'm, I'm actually looking at a story right here that says, at least in Burlington, Vermont, that they are actually recycling 93% of what is recycled and 7% goes to the landfill. Most recycling facilities around the country see a 20 to 25% non recycle rate.
1: All right. But when it's in the bin, they don't go through and sort the bins. So if it's contaminated, they just have to throw it away. We I didn't do, do it in the 80s, you're still to. not doing it now, <laughs> so be better.
2: All right, here's a fun one from the 80s that I've tried to bring up to my kids as a, it was a sign of the times, guys, I'm not homophobic. In the 1980s, it was common to hear people use the term gay as a derogatory insult, not actually referring to sexuality usually, just meaning you're, you're gay, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're an idiot, uh, society's obviously progressed now and that insult is considered to be inappropriate. But, come on guys, I mean, how many people, we, we, the word gay was commonplace back then, right? But none of us were homophobic or saying it uh, as a commentary on the guy's sexuality. If you said, oh, you missed the catch, you're gay, you know? Sure.
1: No, I think that, that it was just that was part of ignorance, I suppose. I, it, we didn't mean it that way, but it was if your friend dropped the ball, you'd be like, dude, you are so gay. Right. And I don't even know what that meant other than lame.
2: You're exactly. lame. That's the thing. Like we were using that term before. I think any of us not, uh, even understood that what it truly meant. Yeah, it was just meant well, as you're lame, you're gay. Like it's inter- it was interchangeable. And, and yeah, society evolved and we stopped. But
3: Well, it's, it's like saying retarded. Oh like just like, yeah. here in Boston people would say you're wicked retarded. Right. You know, and that means you're just being really stupid.
2: Speaking of Bostonians, Matt Damon a few years ago got his foot in his mouth trying to explain to his kids, trying to tell an interviewer about a time he told his kids about how back in the day everyone was gay. We called everyone gay, but we didn't mean it you know, the whole thing I just said. Like it wasn't meant. Yeah. Well. And he and his kid, he was just like, My kids did not want to hear that at all. <laughs> I just kept putting my foot <laughs> further in my mouth, like
1: right. Yeah, yeah they look at you kids will look at you like well you should have known better but you're coming at that with the knowledge that you have now we didn't have it you know we didn't know
3: it wasn't a problem then that's right a, you can't retroactively make it a problem right you can't say well back in 85 you you called somebody gay well when you meant stupid or or lame yeah
1: all we can do now is do better now we have the knowledge let's do better and that's what we're doing most yeah. of us. Back in the 1980s, and this is one I've actually thought about of
2: late, owning a flashy sports car meant a symbol of success and societal status. When I see someone in a sports car, all I think is you're a tool and you have a tiny, minuscule little penis. Like, sports cars, to me, are not cool, hip, or anything. I think you're a loser if you're driving around in a freaking Lamborghini. But in the 80s, I mean, that was the height of awesomeness.
1: Sure, but now everyone has one. Anyone can get a Mercedes now. It's not special anymore. Well, or just even more, like a a Porsche Countach or something, or a Lamborghini.
3: Well,
2: remember, we uh, we used to have posters of those cars, supercars, on our walls. I would be embarrassed if I came home in a Porsche.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, really? I love Porsches. Listen, here's the Only if it's a stick, though. Only if it's a
1: stick. You can't have an automatic Porsche. But the only way a Porsche is classy to me at this age, because I have become so refined, Mm. is that if I see a nice, you know, old bathtub Porsche, a classic that's in stellar shape, I think, oh, that's great. Love to have that car.
2: You know, there's some classiness to a Porsche, I guess, still. But how about like a Lamborghini? Like something just truly over the top. Don't you think that guy's just a gigantic tool?
1: Yes, but that said, uh I do follow cars, and I just saw the uh, unveiling of the brand-new EV DeLorean, and it got me moving and juicy in all sorts of places. Well, the article points out the electric vehicles are
2: the new version of that, so right now we all think those are cool. So I get that, but Bruski, what do you think about sports cars? Is this an East Coast thing? Is that still hip there? Like deep tans? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell you sports.
3: what. The, well, you, you do see Lamborghinis and Ferraris here, here in Boston, certain around certain neighborhoods. I, I don't think about the person. I think about the car. The car itself is, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Cause I, I'm a, I'm a car guy. So yeah. you, it's, it's unfair to ask me that cause I just think about more of the tech specs. Sure, the engineering
1: of the automobile.
3: Yeah, exactly. I'm not really thinking about the person, even though I have made value judgments a little bit on the guy.
1: I Uh, had to be really careful when I got my truck. I tried really hard to get a classy, nice-looking, normal truck because I make judgment calls on people driving big trucks all the time. Yes. I think most of them are douchebags. If you've got it lifted at all and you don't go off-road especially, you're a douchebag. Uh, so that's yeah
0: another
2: I, little I, penis thing like that's when i when i see dudes in big lifted trucks i just think you've got nothing down south do you it, it depends
3: i mean if they actually are off-roaders and you can tell if somebody's an off-roader or not of course you know like like their, their truck is dirty that's Um
2: you if you're using it for practical purposes i've yeah, been in san yeah, francisco yeah. and seen people in lifted trucks like
3: although <laughs> can, can i just tell you that i am so over and i can't stand both priuses and the other one that I really can't stand are those effing Subarus, like the Outbacks and all that. Jeez, I just they're everywhere. Good God. I just can't. I mean, that, just, that screams to me, and I don't care how it south, that screams to me, I'm a lesbian. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it is the number one car with lesbians. Are crossover SUVs like that, are they huge in the East? Because they're all over out here. I drive one.
3: Kind of. People like four-wheel drive here, obviously, because of snow during the winter and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But most of those folks aren't using it for other than winter driving they'll drive it all year round but they're not going off-road they're not going camping in it it's
2: like the style of it or whatever it's cool yeah yeah
3: Yeah. or you know what's big around here too are like land rovers g-wagons you drive a g-wagon that's an that has an amg engine in it oh my god you will
1: just i oh I drove you, one, Brisky. I know dude, you, exactly what you're saying. Brisky just you, dribbled you, you a little. Barely, on
3: his pants, Dude, you, you just barely touch the pedal on that thing, and the tire starts spinning. That's how effing fast it is. Sure. And how it much feels, are those
2: things? 80, 90 grand?
1: 120, I, I, 130. More than yeah. that.
3: But you know what, though? If you got the money, God, I feel so good to touch that pedal and smoke those tires.
1: Dude, let me see your hands. Uh, I can't. Come on, stop. (laughs) I I I need to see your pants immediately. I can't believe I'm doing this with my pants off. I can. I can see. I might have to go to McDonald's
3: after this
2: all right i got one last one guys wrap this up similar topic sports cars were a style status thing back then i think you're a tool now back in the 80s fur coats were all status for women i remember my sisters when we would go out to a a big fancy dinner a family event they had these special fur coats that they would take out (laughs) and
3: wear oh yeah
2: and obviously nowadays that's uh frowned on. Although Donald Trump recently just said that people are stealing not only refrigerators from apartment stores, but that they're also running out with fur coats. Everyone's got fur coats.
1: Who even <laughs> sells fur coats anymore? Oh, there's places, dude. Well, in your hometown... That people are uh, looting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I Wait, think uh, yeah. Let's just go to Detroit. We'll find all kinds of fur coats. <laughs> that's funny. Um, uh, Nate, the old singer South
2: Normal, just posted a picture of himself in a fur coat. And he looked yeah. badass, <laughs> I
1: would say. That's so. what I'm saying, that I see the fur coats today, either on People who are in music somehow, either rapping or in rock, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't (laughs) see women wearing them to fancy dinners. The red paint or the fear of it got rid of that quickly.
3: Well, you you, you know what, there, you know, where it is actually somewhat acceptable if you are a lady who dresses vintagely, yes, and you and you and you buy like an antique fur coat. Sure. Because then you haven't contributed to more no animals
1: being killed. <laughs> yeah. No new you death. Know? A burlesque dancer, a vintage, somebody's going to wear it. It'll be all
3: Yeah, right. exactly.
1: Yep. You're still
2: opening a can of worms because you could say it's fake fur or whatever it is, but no one knows that. They just think you're a tool for wearing
1: fur out. So I would avoid it unless you're an animal. <laughs> I'll ask your sister if she still has hers, dude. Right. She may have kept it. Gentlemen, we need to roll here.
2: Find us online, VocalMinority.net. Love us everywhere. Yes, and then until
1: next time, we bid you adieu.
0: Test one, two, test one, two. Check,
1: check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve.
0: Nick Reynolds, Steve Harness, and Cousin Brewski. The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Take one.